I wanted to begin today's message, and again, this is a series on the Holy Spirit. It could take the rest of the year to get through it. Uh, There's so much about God the Holy Spirit that we need to understand. And I think too often uh, the church kind of looks at Him as that one. You know? I almost went there. That one. He's, yeah, He's God, but, you know, I like going to Jesus. I like going to the Father. They're all God. One God, three persons. All right? And today, we're going to just start looking at some of the things that uh, He does. And, And I wanted to specifically look at what Jesus said about Him. But I I wanted to start out, I don't know if you know this or not, but this is an Assembly of God church. All right? In the Assemblies of God denomination, we were influenced heavily from its start. Way back in the early part of the 20th century, when this denomination got off the ground, and God the Holy Spirit just blew up the meetings. I mean, He just showed up in such a big way, and people were leaving healed, people were leaving uh, just different than when they first went in. And this hadn't happened in a while, all right? At least as far as history shows. Though some teach that this doctrine of the Holy Spirit ended way back with the apostles, that's called cessationism, though they claim that's the case, I want to show you how both in the, the Bible and through history that was not the case. One of our brothers in the church, not here, but the church, has actually written a book on this, and I'll share it later, but he talks about how the Holy Spirit was evident from the time of the apostles all the way until today. I mean, God was moving. We don't think like that. We think, oh, you know, we don't read about Him uh, filling people with His Spirit. We don't read about the prophecies, the healings. But let me tell you something, they happened, and we'll look at those as we go through this series. What are the gifts? The gifts are found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, and a couple of of them are sprinkled around uh, little ones elsewhere, but those are the two primary passages. Um, We're known as a cooperative fellowship along with many of the other local assemblies. Our fellowship is not just U.S.-based. You know, we have three million people who claim to be Assemblies of God in the U.S. But our mandate is go and make disciples. Our mandate is missions-minded. And that must be the case because worldwide, we're somewhere around 70 million why? Because we sent missionaries out. People who went out and they preached the good news with the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're, we'll get into all of this more as we go through this series. I just want you to know, though, that we believe in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. You and I can try to do whatever. We can try to minister to people in and of ourselves but we are so much more effective when God the Holy Spirit is with us. When He has given us what we need to carry out that task. So let me ask you this. Do you think that the teaching on the Holy Spirit is important today? Do you think we need it? (laughs) Only if we believe that Jesus and the apostles taught that it was important, and I believe they did. So join me today as we investigate the person of the Holy Spirit. All right, last week I started out with 1 Corinthians 13. Anybody else here besides me? Some of you? All right. And what was that all about? What did I call it? The Holy Spirit sandwich. Because... In chapter 12 and chapter 14, it's talking about the gifts and how they operate in the church. 
And right in the middle, Paul goes into this, this whole little thing on love, what love is. I believe that the church has got to understand that if we're going to be operating in the gifts, that we have to be guided by love. It's too easy to get a big head and start thinking we're all that. We're, we're, suprem- we're, a, we're not supreme, we're, we think more highly of ourselves than we should, all right? Are we better than any other denomination that might not accept the gifts of the Holy Spirit? No. Everything we do has to be done in and through love. If that's not what motivates us, then we're missing it already. We, we're, we're laboring in vain. But if we're guided by love, do you think those missionaries went to Africa because, well, they just wanted to enjoy the sunshine? No, they felt like God wanted them to go and reach those people that were over there. Human beings, souls for the kingdom. The same with those who were led to go to South America and and Europe and other places. They were led by love. And, And that has to be what defines us. If you see any of our saints operating outside of this, you need to challenge them and say, hey, whoa, who are you representing? And I'm saying that about myself. If you ever see me outside of that, where, where it sounds like I'm just beating people up, you better challenge me and say, hey, pastor, where's the love? Because I labor in vain otherwise. Amen? So today I want to begin by looking at the paraclete. The paraclete. What is a paraclete? Well, it's the Holy Spirit, and it literally means para means called, and the cleat means alongside. So the Holy Spirit is called to come upside us and guide us through this life. Now here's an interesting fact. There are two paracletes. I didn't realize this till not too long ago. Oops, I didn't put that one in there. The first one is Jesus. And I'm going to show you that in just a minute. And of course, the second one is the Holy Spirit who was to come. So we're going to see this in just a minute in verse 16. So I want to start with... Ooh, I jumped. Sorry. That's why it's not there. I wanted to start here. And while you're turning there, I just wanted to say this. There are three main contributions in the New Testament to pneumatology, which is the study of the Holy Spirit. Pneumatology means the study of the Holy Spirit. The first one was the Pauline epistles. They're very important with our study. And we'll get into those more in just a minute. But what I wanted to say about him was he was more focused on soteriology or the salvation through Christ, all right? how we get saved. The Lucan material, very important. And that, that includes the Gospels, the Gospel, and, of course, Acts. What's interesting is, if, if you think about the Bible, how many have numbers in them? Well, in the original Gospels, you didn't see the numbers. There weren't chapter divisions. There weren't verse divisions. It was just, you read it. So sometimes it, it gets a little bit confusing. And then what did, what did the, the writers decide, the canon uh, when they, when they, I'm sorry, forgive me. When they decided what would be in the canon, which is the Bible, where did they put Luke and Acts? Did they put them side by side? What's in between them? The book of John. It's like, what? I don't know why they did that. Because Luke, or someone like Luke, wrote, the Gospel of Luke and Acts. So we like to call it Luke-Acts in our circle of influence. And he focused on one thing, and that is the Holy Spirit's empowerment. 
Look at your neighbor and say empowerment. And that's something all of us need, by the way. Finally, the third part of this is the Johannine material, which includes John's Gospels and, of course, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Not Revelation, though. That's, that's a different uh, book altogether, which we'll get to. So his emphasis was on the indwelling of Christ. And I, I know I'm giving you a whole bunch of stuff, but why am I saying this to you? First of all, each writer wrote according to who they were. The Holy Spirit gave them the unction to write down the words, but their personality was involved in it. And they all had something inside of them that was going to determine the direction that they took. So with Paul, like I said, it was salvation in Christ. With Luke, it was the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. With John, it was the infilling of Christ. And we're going to look at this. But I want you to understand, just because John records different events, and Luke, and Mark, and Matthew, just because they record different events happening, or they share them in different ways, it doesn't mean that those Gospels are not correct. It just means that they wrote down what they felt impressed to write down. The Holy Spirit used their personality. I want to start today with John 3.3. I think I actually had you go there, but let me back up. I tell you the truth, and I'm going to stick with the NLT today. Some of you might appreciate that because I was all over last week. Unless you are born again. Read this with me. I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. That's pretty easy. What does it mean? Well, he goes into a little more detail. And of course, who's he talking to here? He's talking to Nicodemus. And in verse 5, it says, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. We operate primarily out of the flesh, most of us. Jesus is saying, look, there's another side of you. And you want, you want the spirit man to take preeminence. This flesh isn't going anywhere. Even after we're born again, it's still with us. And it causes us issues. How many are ever tempted? Come on, all of you ought to be raising your hand. That's the flesh. The Spirit's doing warfare with, with the flesh on a daily basis, which is one more reason why we need the Holy Spirit. Verse 7, so don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. So it's one of those things Jesus is saying, we need it, you may not understand it, but just trust me, trust him, Jesus. It's something that all of us need to go after. Now, when we become born again, when we confess our sins according to Romans 10, 9, and 10 and following, that is the point where God puts His Spirit in us. Just an aside, the disciples did not become born again until after the resurrection. They couldn't have because He hadn't paid the price yet. But immediately after he was resurrected from the dead, they became born again. And then, as we'll look at later, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. All right, understand we need to be born again. How many can say amen? All right. I'm going to jump to verse 34. For he is sent by God. Who is he? Jesus. For he is sent by God. He speaks God's words. For God 
gives him the spirit without limit. The father loves his son and has put everything into his hands. And anyone who believes in God's son has eternal life. Anyone who doesn't obey the son will never experience eternal life but remains under God's judgment. So who gives the spirit according to this? Who? God who? The Father. All right? Now it's through Jesus and, and his uh, death, burial, and resurrection. But it's the Father who sends the Spirit. All right. Now the two paracletes. That's where it was. So again, I already talked about that. Model one was Jesus. Model two is the Holy Spirit. And we're going to see this in John. Turn there with me, John 14. And I'm going to start with verse 15. By the way, anything read is my highlight and underlining. If you love me, obey my commandments. Who's talking here? If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you what? That's where I'm trying to point out. Jesus was the first paraclete. There wouldn't be another if there weren't. You get it? You with me so far? Another advocate. And by the way, that word advocate is the word we get paraclete from. Who will never leave you. Now, that is suggesting that Jesus is going to leave. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive Him because it isn't looking for Him and doesn't recognize Him. But you know Him because He lives with you now and later will be in you. What? I want you to catch that last sentence. But you know Him because he lives with you now. What is Jesus saying here? He's in Jesus at this point, and Jesus is, of course, with them. And this is also, this alludes to the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. So you see the Father, you see the Son. And you see the Holy Spirit. They're all part of the same team. They're all part of the Godhead. We seem to have little issues going on with this, but that's all right. We'll get through it. So when he said, but you know him because he lives with you now, he's saying, look, I'm right in front of you. Because Jesus is God. The three in one. Are you still with me? I'm going to prove this because you're going to see it even more. I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. And this is important because what I want you to get here is that Jesus knew he was going back to the right hand of the Father. But he... And the Father are one. He and the Holy Spirit are one. That's what he's trying to say. Now, did his disciples get it? No. They couldn't understand it as of yet because they hadn't even seen what he was going to do next, and that is his death, burial, and resurrection. Since I live, you also will live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father and you are in me. And I don't want to race through this, but I just want you to understand, he's trying to say, look, this is part of the Godhead. The Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I'm in them, they're in me. We are three. But only one God. This is not a polytheistic statement. They had a hard time with this in the first century because the Jews were like, what is this? You know, we serve one God. 
the Father. What's this other stuff? The Son and the Holy Spirit. They didn't get it. That was one of the reasons they got so tripped up in that first century. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them. And here we go again. And I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. So the Father will love you because you love Jesus. You see the connection. All through John, there's this connection of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You love one, you love them all. You don't get to pick and choose. Though we pray to the Father in Jesus' name, right? Can you pray to the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. Do we? Often not. But you can. You can pray. Brother, I know you're always praying to the Father. Yeah, pretty much. Can you pray just to Jesus? I don't think the others are going to get a chip on their shoulder if you do. I think it's good to have a relationship with the three in the Godhead. And, and I hope this doesn't confuse you. What I want you to see next, and this is really important, the primary purpose of the Holy Spirit is the continuation. And by the way, this is as John sees it. The primary purpose of the Holy Spirit is the continuation of the work and purpose of Jesus Christ, the first paraclete. That's why the Holy Spirit was coming. was so that he could continue what Jesus began. Remember what Jesus said? I'm not going to leave you as orphans. That meant that he was sending the Holy Spirit to take his place live with us. As we'll see, the Holy Spirit only enters the believer after Jesus departed earth and was back in heaven with his Father. John 14, 23 to 26. All who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them. And what? We will come and make our home with each of them. I want you to just lock that away right there. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I'm telling you is from the Father who sent me. Now, it's interesting he's saying this because later he says, when the Holy Spirit speaks, he will say what Jesus said. They're all saying the same thing. They're not confused. I'm telling you these things now while I'm still with you. But when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. Another very important reason that we need the Holy Spirit. You know, we go through the Bible and the flesh, and certainly it can feed us because the flesh is alive, or the, the Word is alive, the Logos is alive. But when you have the Holy Spirit in you, He can awaken the Bible for you. How many have experienced this? You, you know what I'm saying. I, I'm not saying anything that most of you hopefully have experienced. And if you haven't, it's not that hard. You need to be born again. Born of the Spirit, not of the flesh. All right? And once you are, God the Holy Spirit takes up residence in you. And at that point, He will guide you and illuminate the Scriptures for you in ways that you... I've gone back, I've read passages in the Bible, and I just went... I've read that a hundred times. But today, it's speaking to me in a different way. That's the Holy Spirit. It's what He does. He reminds us of things that we have been taught. In fact, 
A lot of us worry. You know, if somebody asks me something about God, I'm just going to fumble and stumble. But when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, He will give you the words to say. All you have to do is open your big mouth. Open your mouth. (laughs) I don't believe that Jesus intended the paraclete, the person of the Holy Spirit, to be rocket science. But to truly understand what Jesus is saying here, we really do need the illumination of the Holy Spirit to guide us. Can you say amen? When does the Christian receive the Holy Spirit? I already talked about this a little bit. When he or she first believes. All right, when you put your trust in Jesus. Then the Holy Spirit takes up residence in you and me, and we become temples of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever thought of yourself as a home for God? We're going to get into this a whole lot deeper after this week, but... Today, I just want you to get the fundamental that the Holy Spirit lives in us. In one of my classes on the New Testament, and I shared a quote from him, Professor Glenn Balfour pointed out something that it absolutely stunned me because I'd never seen this before. And I'm not trying to make a doctrine of this I'm just saying this is a possibility. So everybody say possibility. I intentionally skipped over the first part of John 14 because I wanted to come back after identifying the Holy Spirit and how He would come. John 14, verse 1. Remember this passage? Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come back and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And then he throws out this, and you know the way to where I'm going. (laughs) Of course, this caused a little bit of conflict with one of the men. His name was Thomas. Before I get to that, though, I wanted to show you a comparison. Verse 3 and 23. I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And then in verse 23, we will come and make our home with each of them. Could it be that these first four verses are really alluding to you and me? Where are the many mansions sitting in this auditorium today? The temples. Where does God live today? Do you agree? Am I teaching heresy? I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. He's already here in us. See, we think, well, he's coming. We get tied up in our heads. This is talking about the perusia, which that means when Jesus comes back, all right? But it doesn't necessarily have to mean that. Especially when you look at the context of chapter 14 is talking about the Holy Spirit coming and living in us. And context is very important when we do our biblical studies. We will come. The Father and I will come and make our home with each of them in the Holy Spirit. And He lives in us today. The Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ coming and taking up residence in us. 
those who believe. Could we be the rooms? I think it's a possibility. The next three verses, which I just wanted to point out, this is Thomas. No, we don't know, Lord. We, we don't have a clue what you're talking about, Lord. Thomas said, we have no idea where you're going, so how can we know the way? And then Jesus says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. God is spirit. Those that come to him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And then verse 7, if you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. Catch that last little sentence. From now on, you do know him. And what? Is Jesus talking some kind of mystical language here? Do you get what he's trying to say? If you've seen one, you've seen them all. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Confusing? It'll get better as we go along. You know the Father because you know Jesus in the flesh. You will have the Holy Spirit in you because you believed that the Father would send his Spirit to live with and in us through Jesus Christ the Son. Now let me ask you this. When is Jesus coming back? It's a trick question. Like my friend over here who's a teacher. When is Jesus coming back? He's here. Thank you. One of the brothers caught it. He's already here in us. This is, in, in technical terms, <laughs> this is an eschatological term, which means now and not yet. Say that with me. Now and not yet. Many passages in Scripture would fall under this. The now and the not yet. Jesus is in us now, but there's coming a day later when there will be a new heaven and a new earth, and then those mansions will certainly change. But in the meantime, Jesus is already in us and with us through the Holy Spirit. And when you pray, who do you pray to? You pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. You're including all three right there. When he told his disciples to go and make disciples of all the nations, he said, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And that was water baptism, by the way. That was a baptism of salvation. The now and the not yet. I believe that those rooms that uh, Jesus talked about in John 14, 1 through 4, I believe that they could also fall under the now and not yet. As I begin to wrap this up today, in John's Gospel, he makes it clear that the Holy Spirit was going to come and make his home among us. And Jesus came to make sure that happened. He wants to infill us with his Holy Spirit. He wants to inhabit us. He wants to make us his home. And I, I shared this already, but the time is coming John 4, 23 and 24. The time is coming, meaning the not yet. Indeed, it's here. When? Now. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The now and the not yet. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him that way. For God is 
I don't have my mind wrapped around this completely yet. But hopefully as we go through this study, it's going to make more and more sense to us. But what I want you to grasp, would you admit that God is way bigger than we are? Infinitely bigger than we are. When you look at the heavens, you can't but give him credit and say, (laughs) glory to God, it's amazing. When you look at the trees, especially this time of year, and you see the the fall colors changing as they do, it's just simply through uh, some little chemical process. Those leaves go from green to, to brilliant reds and oranges and yellows. Do you realize God did that for us? So that everywhere we looked, we would see Him. A piece of Him, if you will. He is everywhere, by the way. He can do that, because He's God. We can't. We can only be in one spot at one time. But in the Spirit... It it opens up a channel between us that's not there otherwise. We're able to think God thoughts, and He's able to pour things into us through our spirit that our flesh just can't receive. That's what He wants to do with you and me today. Hallelujah. About this passage, Dr. Carson said in the Pillar Commentary, God is spirit, meaning God is invisible, divine as opposed to human, life-giving, and unknowable to human beings unless he chooses to reveal himself. Do you realize God wants to reveal himself to you? Some of you have have been getting the crumbs off the table and I believe the Holy Spirit would say today, I want you to get right with me, get filled with my Spirit so that I can do the amazing in you. I believe God wants a relationship with everybody that's within hearing of my voice, whether live or sitting at home today listening. As God is light, Carson went on, and God is love, so God is spirit. These are elements in the way God presents himself to human beings. Emphasis on element in his gracious self-disclosure in his son. God chose to reveal himself to us through Jesus Christ the Son. Jesus said, My Father is spirit. Those who worship him will worship him in spirit and in truth. Jesus said, I will not leave you as little orphans, but I must leave for a while. And when I leave, I will send, paraclete number two, the Holy Spirit to be with you, to guide you into all truth. We need the Holy Spirit. God is spirit, and he wants to take up residence in you. The requirements are really quite simple. Number one, you must be born again. We already talked about that. John 3, 3, and then... John 3, 5. But there's a connector there. You have to obey. Remember, God is holy. Therefore, we must be holy. We're called to a life of holy living. You and I. And that's the other reason I believe that the Holy Spirit came was to help us live for God. 
You must not be caught up in a lifestyle of sinfulness. Instead, get caught up in a lifestyle of worship to the Lord using your body. I'm going to talk about this more later, but today, this will be my last scripture. Paul said this in Romans 12:1, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. What does it mean when somebody pleads? It, it's, they're just about begging you. Come on. I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. Are you with me still? I only point this out to say this is the temple of the Holy Spirit and I, I feel this in, in every nerve ending in every ounce of my body today. My spirit man is saying tell them I want to inhabit them but they've got to stop living sinful lives. If Jesus were here right now, you'd see him standing here with two holes, one in each hand. He'd say, I did this for you. And then I gave you my spirit who will guide you, empower you. You can live a sinless life life overall that doesn't mean you won't make mistakes and I don't want to backpedal here I know we make mistakes all right what I'm talking about is when you do something habitually over and over and over and over and over and it gets to the at first you hear the, the Holy Spirit say whoa, whoa, whoa what are you doing but you keep going back to that thing, whatever it is, and eventually that whoa, 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 whoa gets whoa, 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 because our hearts get hardened. Because we want what? What did you call that, Aaron? Extra credit? What was the other? But we didn't want the extra credit. We wanted. Alternate credit, yeah. We want God to say, I know you're a sinner. Don't worry about it. He gave us a spirit to live holy lives. And if we're not living that way, it's our own fault. Sinners will not get into heaven according to what I read in Scripture. Would you stand with me? God wants to dwell in you. That ought to supercharge every one of us. And if you have ever spent time in the presence of God, if He's ever just come on you in a supernatural way. You know what I'm talking about today. I remember one of the brothers, with a, I won't point him out, but he told me he was driving down the road in his van one day. And he had such a... God became so real to him that I think he said he, he had to pull over because otherwise he would have crashed the power of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God was so strong in his truck. If you've never experienced that, I want to say something to you right now. That's what God wants in your life. And it doesn't take a lot. I know it sounds hard, but it's not. You just need to live according to the Scriptures. Hey, there's an idea. 
Stop sinning. Well, just like that? And when you do make a mistake, and I'm not talking about a repetitious lifestyle of sin, when you make a mistake, you go to him and you say, God, I, I messed up. We're saved by grace, and God is more than able to forgive you of that sin. And then you stop doing it. We need the Holy Spirit today to live in us, to put us in check. And some of us, we need to to give Him lordship of our lives again because that voice has gotten so small, so soft, that we don't hear Him anymore. So I want to pray for you. Without anybody peeking, without anybody looking around, would you just shut your eyes just for a minute and just think about where you're at with God. If He were to come today knowing that He is Spirit, knowing that He is a holy God, would He be able to take up residence in you? Are you born again, first of all? And have you cleaned house? Some of you today that are, that are here, some of you out there would say, uh, probably not. I want to pray for you. I believe this is an opportunity that the Holy Spirit would give us to get things right with Him so that you can become the temple of the Lord, the home of God, where the Holy Spirit resides. How many need that today? Would you lift your hand? Hallelujah. Thank you. Would you pray this prayer with me? Let's start from the beginning. Father God, thank you for the blood of Jesus that was shed on that cross at Calvary. Lord, today, I confess my sins and I ask you to forgive me and wash me clean. And Lord, I can't live this life on my own. Today, fill me with your Holy Spirit. May He guide me. Give me directions. Shout at me if need be. Stop, Norm. Your name goes in there. If you hear stop, Norm, something's wrong. Lord, fill me with your presence. I want to be your home. So today, I yield to you. And I pray have your way. And I pray this all in the strong name of the Son of God. Jesus Christ. Amen. just a minute I'll pray the final benediction prayer I'll send you out of here but this week would you pray with me and by the way I see one brother came up I hope you know this if you ever feel inclined to come forward and, and just to make this an altar you know you're welcome That's what this is about. And I know we've been in this COVID lockdown for so long, we we forget about what we're really supposed to be doing in this place. 
But I just want to invite you, if, if you feel the unction to come up and to pray, to get on your face or your knees, please do. Sometimes I think the anointing's closer to the front. You know, as one uh, pastor said, and I can't remember who said it now, but you know, these are the, the $50 seats up here. You guys in the back, you're in the $2 seats. Get real with him. Stop living other than the way he wants you to live. If you will give him just a little room in your life, you're going to see things change for the better. In your workplace, in your schools, in the retail businesses, in you. I'm looking forward to what God's going to do. So be praying for me as, as well so I, I get downloaded into me everything that I need to be able to share and, and take this church in the direction He wants us to go. That I be led by the Holy Spirit. And I hope today wasn't, didn't mess you up too much, but I really felt that, that it was important to understand Jesus sent us the Holy Spirit. We'll get into this more next week. Father, again, as we take time this week to think about this message and meditate on you, remind us that you are spirit. And those that worship you will worship you in spirit and in truth. May we just have God moments, Lord, whether in our cars, in our prayer closet, our bedrooms, our living rooms, maybe with our whole family, just prayer meetings, praise meetings, just times of rejoicing in you. May we give you our all as temples of the Holy Spirit. And fill us afresh and anew, Lord. We need it, especially in these last days. And by last days, I just mean it seems that way. They've been saying it for 2,000 years, but we don't know when he's coming back. We know he's already here, the now. <laughs> but we know he's coming back, the not yet. Father God, again, keep everybody safe in their coming and in their going. As we go to the Fleming Farms this afternoon, those that are able, bless that time, Lord. I pray we'd be a, a light to those at the farm, to each other. And Lord, bring us back Wednesday night. Regular prayers at 5.30, prayer and praise is at 6.30, Wednesday night. We're praying every night, Wednesday, until the election. We commit this body into your hands, Lord. We pray this again in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for coming.